I'm Alex Marlowe. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We begin the show with updates on the Trump indictment, the woke wars, a new entry in the 2024 field, details on the Biden bribe whistleblower, and a Harvard morgue manager selling human body parts. How can you beat that? Well, if you follow it up with two great guests today, Senator Tom Cotton and Judge Jeanine Pirro, need I say more? Probably not. Let's get into it. happens sometimes in the news um, when you're coming off of a super hot news day that it's kind of hard to move on from it when uh, nothing takes its place and the Trump indictment was obviously super exciting and I think a lot of yesterday was spent processing the Trump indictment and thinking about it Um, the Washington Post had a story that I it's I hate to say it that maybe it's true I just don't know why people in Trump world continue to talk to people like this but um, Trump apparently rejected efforts to avoid the classified document indictment by settling, according to the Washington Post story. And basically, in a nutshell, make a long story short, is that some people were suggesting that he'd broken the rules, broken the law, uh, and because of that, he needed to settle. But then there were some people who pushed back, namely Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch, and said everything you did is legit, it's above board, don't freak out, stay the course, thousand points of light. Wait a minute, that was a George H.W. Bush slogan, nothing to do with this. It popped into my head for a second. Uh, and you all need to move forward and we'll fight it and we'll win. Um, and so that's kind of interesting that 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 could be the case. And I, it just, it makes me think that there are some people around Trump who've analyzed this and think that his case is not very strong. Um, those of you who did not hear my interview with Joel Pollack yesterday on the show, uh, that it's, it's worth listening to because Joel, who is pretty sober minded guy, Harvard trained lawyer, he gave me more hope in Trump's case than I had originally. He made me think that uh, there really is a case in the uh, president using the Presidential Records Act that uh, is legit that Trump had the documents and uh, he could just beat this thing outright um, and a political witch hunt or not. So um, that is I guess my first question for all of you is, is what do you, I want you to handicap it. I want you to tell me if you are concerned that President Trump is actually going to get convicted here, if you feel like the witch hunt matters. And by matters, I mean the fact that we know this is a witch hunt. It is, clearly. I, I just don't know if that has any real legal implication. That's the part where I'm concerned for President Trump. Because I feel like we know it's a political persecution. We know that this has never been a standard that's been applied to anyone else. Um, We've never seen a top political rival of the current president get arrested before by the federal government and arraigned, indicted, etc. We've never seen a former president go through that. And yet, none of that actually has legal bearings on a legal argument. The legal argument is whether or not the Congressional, or I'm sorry, the Presidential Records Act allowed for him to have the documents or not. Uh, the president, former president, spent time trashing special counsel Jack Smith's wife, uh, who apparently made a documentary 
on Netflix on Michelle Obama or a, some sort of a documentary of some sort of a puff piece as it was described. Uh, that is pretty wacky, you have to admit, that this is um, or the... the uh, David Ng wrote this up for us at Breitbart News that Trump had trashed special counsel Jack Smith's wife's Netflix documentary of Michelle Obama calling the 2020 movie Puff Peace. Um, David, who also is not one of our biggest bomb throwers, said it, it, it was a puff piece and that might even be an understatement. The reviews for Becoming were actually much worse, David writes, and left-wing critics panned it as bland, self-celebratory, and paper-thin. <laughs> It's fun. It's fun. Trump calls him deranged Jack Smith. Now, of course, he's got a lot of power. Um, but this is noteworthy that in our banana republic that you're allowed to have a blatantly political family that can uh, uh, wage a prosecution against the former president who's also likely to win the nomination for this current election. Um. It is something that I, I want to keep on everyone's radar that is not just about the court of public opinion. It's actually about the court of law as well. And that's where I'm going to try to bring in the smartest minds around to give you updates as that develops. Um, so that is that, that's definitely the number one thing. And I think that the looking at the hypocrisy is crucial but it's not sufficient in terms of whether or not Trump is actually going to beat the rap. Um, and if you look at the comparisons to Hillary Clinton and to Sandy Berger and to uh, so many other examples, David Petraeus, I think, might be the biggest one. Uh, Andrew is personally obsessed with the Richard Armitage case uh, where Scooter, Scooter Libby, former chief of staff for Dick Cheney, was investigated and prosecuted because of a leak from the Bush administration about the identity of the CIA agent, uh, Valerie Plame Wilson. And this was a big controversy about the justification for the Iraq war. And Libby wasn't the source of the leak. Um, the Deputy Secretary of State, Richard Armitage, was, by his own admission. And yet Armitage was never prosecuted, but Libby was convicted of supposed process crimes. So, and then you got pardoned by Trump. You guys remember that? So the Libby connection was seen, and Joel Paul is going to write all this up for us. I told you he's working on a big list of all of the similar cases where people never served jail time or uh, maybe they did, kind of breaking them down. But the Libby conviction was seen as a result of overzealous prosecution. And a D.C. jury was ready and willing to punish the Bush administration for their failures in the Iraq war, even though Armitage admitted that he was the leaker. So uh, and nothing was done about him, but stuff was done about Libby because of process crimes. He wasn't even a leaker. So it's a, that's an amazing thing when you see the vindictiveness of people in Washington. That's how they operate. And once you're in their sights, then it's not it's not great. It's not great to be there. And that's where Trump is, and more so than than ever, or more so than anyone ever. So anyway, uh, this piece from Joel is going to be terrific. I was just reading from parts of it just now. Um, all right. So most of the other stuff that's out there, it's, it's all the trans stuff, which is just how many days do we need to do the trans stuff in the show? 
they uh it's it's it feels like every day i gotta bring a, a, more to your attention i guess i'll start with sort of interesting news Modelo now has surpassed bud light is now the top selling beer now Modelo is owned by a brand called constellation brands which is a massive alcohol conglomerate um they're pretty apolitical their business model is to buy up brands that seem to be doing well and then they kind of expand them by any means necessary even if it makes the product kind of so-so so i'm not like a big fan of constellation brands but they stay out of the woke limelight so to speak i guess um even though they do have a big partnership with anheuser-busch i think where they're competing with anheuser-busch in certain ways and they kind of it's very complicated uh, john carney's written up this for us he explains it so, but Modelo actually has a f- affiliation with Anheuser-Busch overseas, but in the United States, it's owned by Constellation. I think that's the, that's the gist of it. Very odd. You take corporations, man, they can trip you up. But I guess that's a good thing that we're drinking a slightly superior fizzy le- yellow beer to the really bad Bud Light fizzy yellow beer. I, I, I'm happy to see conservatives boycotting. That's good. It's having an effect. It seems like Starbucks has pulled back from the trans stuff. Uh, they don't want to do the, the the pride stuff anymore. So NBC News reported um, that multiple multiple corporate executives, including those at Starbucks, are reducing the social initiatives amid the backlash against Target and Bud Light and others. So. Uh, it's a positive. It's a good development. It just if these corporations went back to just making their product, I think the world would be a happier place, right? So Starbucks was also ordered to pay a former manager $25 million after firing someone for being white. So a New Jersey federal jury awarded a white Starbucks manager $25 million after finding the coffee giant fired her because of her race. Elaine Mallon wrote for us at Breitbart. So uh, it's something that I've been tracking closely, and I'll bring you some more details on this as time goes on. But I've been tracking how this we're institutionalizing racism in our country at a pretty rapid rate. It's just against white people and Asians. Um, remember all the stop Asian hate stuff that we talked about? Like, why did we stop talking about it? Think it all just stopped? No, they, they realized that the people committing the Asian hate weren't white people. So. They stopped. When they realized why people weren't the oppressor, we all moved on. Um, the Ivy League discriminates against Asians pretty much openly in terms of admissions. There's one guy who's suing now. I think he had a 1590 or something, SAT. That's a, that's a, that's a high score. That's a high score. It means you miss one problem in the whole test. Um, and um, yeah, he didn't get into a bunch of the schools. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not the celebrity class gets the memo if woke goes out of style, at least to some degree, because you're seeing a lot of people just keep making fools of themselves. Uh, Garth Brooks once uh, once calls for love and tolerance after there's been a big backlash against him because he called the Bud Light boycotters a-holes and he did not use the letter. Uh, this is what I never get. This is the the guy's country singer, and how old's Garth Brooks? It's like seven years old. Like, who's his audience? Um, he's sixty-one years old. 
aging, it's aging white people in the middle of our country. Like, how do those people vote? Do those people like when you have Dylan Mulvaney, the cosplay man who pretends he's a small girl on their beer can? Like, is that... Are you an a-hole if you don't like that stuff? Of course you're not. You can disagree. You can think, yeah, it's great to have the cosplay transsexual on the beer can. I don't agree with that opinion, but it's not, it doesn't bother me that much. It bothers me a little bit, not too much. But like, why are you an a-hole if you don't like it? Like, who wants to look down their beer can and see that goofball, Dylan Mulvaney? It's, it's so irritating. The chances I would get a beer can of Dylan Mulvaney on it is zero. Like, is, is it so crazy to people? Of course not. But then he acts like you're an a-hole if you don't want that. Why? Does he even mean it or is he just pandering? Country music world is kind of disappointing in that way. It feels like they're just getting woker by the minute. Um, a, a, a Michigan city has banned the LGBTQ pride flag and other political flags from the city. I like that. Apropos for Flag Day, Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas has introduced a bill mandating only American flags on government buildings. I mean, that's so cool. Like, why should U.S. government buildings fly the groomer flag? It's not even the rainbow flag anymore, which I, I don't like, but I could probably tolerate it. Get it? A little bit of tongue in cheek, just a little bit. But the groomer flag with the trans stuff on it, like, we know what that's about. We know what that movement is about. It's about indoctrinating kids into this cult and grooming them into the cult. We know that's what it's about. Very clear at this point. So uh, why should they, that be in government buildings? Of course it shouldn't. Our government does much stupider and sillier stuff than that. But it'd be nice if we could get there. Um, of course, Biden would never allow for it. Biden likes it. Biden tries to give his base exactly what he wants. That is the pattern. Joe Biden, so he stays in power. So, but I, the fight back seems like it's going decently well, which is, uh, I I hate to say that I find that a little surprising, but I do. Corrine Jean-Pierre, who speaks for the White House, has stated that it is dangerous to say that transgender children can hurt girls in sports. So it's dangerous to say that a girl should not be forced to lose to boys in sports. Okay. Um, The stunt by the trans influencer who is a man who has breast implants that took off his tube top at the White House and posed with Biden that got all the attention over the last few days. Um, he is upset because he is not getting the brand partnership that Dylan Mulvaney got. Apparently, this person is 27 years old, almost has a million TikTok followers. Um, less brands are seeking partnerships and smaller budgets for pride campaigns. That's great. It's all great. Now, I don't want to get too cocky about this. I don't think for sure that we're entering a new era of sanity. Uh, but it just seems like people know that this has gotten too far. Uh, and I, I'm hoping that people are speaking up and they're feeling empowered to speak up in their corporate world. If you work for a major corporation to at least say that at least, at least use that phraseology. It's gone too far. We love us. Some, we, we love our gays. 
We only have the best gays, okay? Only the best gays, okay? Believe me. But we don't have to do the groomer stuff, which is what they're doing. We don't do the man with the fake bombs at the White House with his fake bombs out at the White House. We don't need that. That's not good for our brand. Can we start there? And then maybe we can start having a discussion about what's okay and what's not. The White House has declined to condemn the United Kingdom for restricting puberty blockers for trans children. Is this a light positive here? Green John Pierre was asked about this um, because the UK is going to ban puberty blockers for trans children. And the White House didn't have an answer. I guess we would have expected the White House to be very negative, right? The reporter, where's the reporter from who asked this question? I have it in front of me. Um, but was suggesting ban, uh, withholding Medicare funds from those states. Yeah, but it's a, you know, I think Joel Pollock wrote this up for us. I think he's getting a little excitable. I disagree with Joel's take. I bet she had no idea what she was talking about. I bet that's why she punted. I'm not giving the White House credit on that. I'm not. Too early. Um, yeah, it, it's a, here's, here's what happens socially is that you start with the premise that we gays were oppressed. We understand that. We don't like that they were oppressed and we're mistreating this country. So we are cool with it if once a year we're reminded of that. Does it have to be a whole month? Probably not, but we can live with it. Then the trans jump in. You know, this is Dave Chappelle's car from his routine. And the trans want to get in the car, so now the trans are in the car with the L's and the G's and the B's. Okay? And we know what the trans agenda is up to now. It's very clear. It's about children. And not I'm not saying every single one. I'm not saying Caitlyn Jenner's is. But in general, it's about getting the children in, involved. That's what we've seen time and again. There's a billion examples. Just open up your Twitter. It's half of your Twitter is all this stuff. So, but what happens is, is that the woke left voters, the, the rank and file, the people who don't spend all day on Twitter, they even caught up, and that includes Joe Biden. So who said that they're all our kids in a tweet pushing for the, uh, the, the, the progress pride flag. To the LGBTQI plus community, the Biden-Harris administration has your back, and he's lit up the White House, not just the rainbow colors, but also the groomer colors. Um, I, it's, it's one of these things where I'm sure some of you are thinking like, why do you have to talk about this so much? And I feel like it, it personally, it's, I find it sort of fascinating that we've gone down this road so quickly. I, in, I feel like this is one where it, it is an existential issue for the country. How can the country survive when we're so anti-science and when we're willing to involve our children and get them to take life altering drugs have life-altering surgery when there's really no science that's doing anything for them. They're not getting any happier. They're not any less depressed, not any less suicidal. So instead of trying to fix some of the actual problems, we're treating it as though we know what's going on and that the solution is these bizarre mutilations of your body. Take a bunch of medicines. Um, And most importantly, the destruction of 
order, the nuclear family, the any basics in science in replacing the parents with the state because the state will be the ones who will be able to fund this stuff, etc. So it feels like one where a society that's going to survive is going to see through this and is going to course correct quick. But if you think that I'm betting big on that, I'm not. Absolutely not. I hope, but I'm not betting big that we're going to figure this one out. But maybe people are seeing it. Uh, 37% of Democrats support Biden's re-election. Only 37% want it to be Biden. Now, the that, that doesn't really matter because who controls the Democrat party? It's the donor class. And the donor class likes this, tic- likes this ticket. All of the powers that be are protected by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Why is Kamala on the ticket? Kamala is on the ticket because she is the person that has the deepest connections, the Democrat party, to the Hollywood and Silicon Valley. They control the purse strings. Uh, Joe Biden knows where all the me- the levers of power are in Washington. He knows how to move the gears, manipulate the gears better than anyone. So they're not, they're going to move him aside because uh, Robert Kennedy has a, a more interesting slate of issues. But the voters, the polling, is that Robert Kennedy Jr. has a higher favorability rating than. I think pretty much anyone else in the race, certainly higher than Biden's. But they're going to protect Biden. They have to. That's the game plan. That's how the system operates. I guess the most interesting 2024 news um, from yesterday is Miami Mayor Francis Suarez has joined the race as a Republican. I'm interested in your take on this because I was just going through his background. Um, I have not spent a lot of time in Miami for any major city. I, I don't have any, any deep connections to it. Um, I like that there are a lot of conservative Republican Cubans there. I think it's kind of cool. But uh, Suarez seems kind of like a woke Republican, which makes sense. I mean, there's no very few. I was looking at this actually just yesterday. I think um, of the 24 biggest cities, I don't know why I stopped at 24. But of the 24 biggest cities, I think 21 of them are governed by liberals. So any ones that are not um, are interesting. So he's uh, Miami's obviously one of those where you've got a at least moderate Republican. But he does a lot of woke stuff. Like he's really big in the Pride Month, put out a big pride statement. He's wearing a rainbow flag sash. Um, he was part of a compassion caravan for George Floyd. During the Summer of Love 2020. And uh, he has pushed for more progressive policies that root out racist police officers. So it just sounds like Democrat light to me, but I'm just wondering what his angle is in the race as a Republican. And then I started to put my 4D chess hat on. Uh, and for the record, if you ever play 4D chess, you do not need to wear a hat. There's no hat that is required. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, it, it, does he... I think he's an anti-DeSantis guy. He's critical of DeSantis on immigration issues, and obviously DeSantis is the big anti-woke guy. So I'm wondering if this is, again, Trump world being clever, and it's just another person who Trump world's got to him, said we got a cabinet post for you or something big, but you're going to siphon off a few votes from DeSantis. Because you've got a guy from Florida who is uh, could pull from other people in Florida who 
would potentially, I don't know, maybe have an allegiance to DeSantis. Maybe that's it. I could be overthinking it, but that was my first thought is if he's an anti-DeSantis guy, then you could see the Trump people in the background who the the Trump people want a bunch of people in the race. They want a bunch of people dividing up. They want the anti-Trump Republican vote to be split. So, or maybe he's just an amazing guy and he should be president. I don't know. But those of you out in Miami or in Florida, uh, please give me a call because I'm not fully fluent in Mr. Suarez, Mayor Suarez. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard to get, I was thinking about what is the path for DeSantis to win. I mean, considering he's down so much in the polls and it's gotta be, he's gotta win Iowa. And then I think he's got to win Florida. And I think that that's, you know, those are early States. And I think if he can win those, then he'll have a chance. So DeSantis pro DeSantis people, Saks media and breakthrough research put out a poll that showed that DeSantis and Trump are tied in Florida. Now, I have no idea if that's true, because again, it's a pro-DeSantis outlet that put this poll out. So it leads me to believe it's not that close. But I think that's the path, right? I mean, so he's got to get Iowa, get some momentum from that, and then make it to Florida. So, I mean, if Trump wins Iowa, I think it's probably over on, on day one. Um, but if he doesn't win Iowa, then I think that that means if DeSantis can make it to Florida and win Florida, then I think there's a outside chance DeSantis makes it. Um, all right. So we're keeping an eye, and I, and I, I want to cover this more at Breitbart than on the show, though it'll come up on the show. But the there's being a lot that's a lot that is leaking out from this uh, FBI whistleblower who is releasing documenters, showing documents proving that Biden was bribed. And uh, all this stuff is mostly still classified and sort of getting leaked out. But he was a recipient of a $5 million bribe. Um, and it was in connection to Burisma. And I was just talking to some people who are incredibly deeply knowledgeable about this stuff, about who the whistleblower is. And I have to say, it, it didn't encourage me. You all know, if you've been with the show for any length of time, that I tend to be pretty skeptical of some of these things because the Congress has to justify their job by leaking out that there's certain things that are going well for them if they don't have anything hard and fast. So I like the hard and fast stuff because they they do their own spinning, so it justifies their, their worth. So everything I've seen so far, I feel like has been a little bit vague for me. Um, it has been a, uh, it, it, it's been a little bit of, um, that Comer and Grassley have released an FBI summary of an interview and the FBI has got a source, probably Burisma executive claimed there are tapes calling that Joe and Hunter had a discussion that involves some bribery, but I'm getting a characterization from the Republicans of an FBI summary of what a source told them that was talking talking about a conversation with Joe and Hunter that means bribery. And you're seeing where that's just a game of telephone. It's just too much for me. And this is where I try to be pure with all of you. I could come in, I could hype this stuff more, but that's not really my mandate on the show. My mandate on the show is I'm trying to give you the news. But that's just too long of a chain. So Comer seems like a good guy. Grassley's obviously a serious guy. So, but if we're talking about an FBI summary of a call with an FBI source who's a Breesman executive claiming there's a tape 
discussing the bribery, but we're just characters. Uh, your characterization of an FBI summary. I mean, it's just too flimsy for me until we see the evidence. So all we know is there was an FBI document that contains the claim. Um. So I don't, I don't know why Christopher Ray was not interested in bringing this to our attention. Certainly, certainly saying that a little bit tongue in cheek because I, I don't, I know exactly why because Christopher Ray is not interested in that sort of stuff. He's interested in doing the bidding of the deep state. But I, I, I want to keep you posted on the details. I'm still not seeing anything hard and fast, but I did get a sense of who the whistleblower is, and it seems like the type of person who might be able to deliver the goods and might be sufficiently networked uh, and may have been very clever to put himself in a position where he could really figure out what's going on with the Bidens and um, the, the this potential bribery case. So I just want to see either... The, the problem is, is that the documents... If it's based on classified documents, then that just really limits how much the public is ever going to know about it. All right. But if you have any other deep insight into it, other than just let's get on the hype train, I'm all ears at 866-95-PATRIOT. Um, okay. A couple other things, then we'll go to the phones that I want to bring up. A couple of, couple of one-offs that I think are worthy of a mention. A judge has blocked Seattle from making vandalism arrests. So Seattle now is basically going to stop doing arrests for, I think they've set a threshold of $750 of damage. Is that what it is? But basically you can now vandalize up to a certain threshold and uh, it is, yeah, $750. So this is a first reported by a guy named Jason Rance, who's a conservative guy who keeps an eye on this stuff pretty well. Seattle police are told that a misdemeanor property crimes can't be pursued thanks to a judge. Until further notice, any enforcement action for property damage must reach the threshold levels for felony malicious mischief over $5,000 or second degree, which is $750. So there's, you're just allowed to be lawless to a certain point. Do you think this encourages more violence, more crime, or uh, discourages it? Of course it encourages it. And we're convinced, at least in left-wing cities, that this is the way to run your cities. Very disturbing. Um, I don't think that, that I have anything extra to say beyond that this is just we're watching our cities deteriorate before our eyes. Uh, Joe Biden is totally incapable of dealing with this. Uh, I, I think politically it's a football or a hot potato for any Republican to deal with it. But it really is left-wingers who are there and left-wingers who run it. So Biden can't really take it on because it's an attack on his own people. So he's not going to do that. Because their cities are so lost. They're so lost. And I, I got a feeling that conservatives who are there are going to be leaving and moving out of the cities at a quicker clip than the left-wingers who are there are going to realize, okay, we got to vote for other people. All right, last one. This is an odd one. Harvard Medical School's morgue manager stole body parts, brains, bones, skin, heads from uh, donated bodies and took them to his New Hampshire home and then he sold them. How wild is that? 
There are several buyers who are named in the indictment, and they're the exact type of people who you think would buy human remains. Let's put it that way. A little bit on the freakish side of the spectrum. I have to admit, I did it did cross my mind when I saw body parts of the dead being sold uh, of that amazing Planned Parenthood video that David Daleiden did, where he caught Planned Parenthood selling uh, body parts of aborted babies. And how the left insisted that was not a big deal. Now, will they insist this is a big deal now that a Harvard Medical School morgue manager is doing that? Um, a guy named Cedric Lodge, be keeping an eye on this, is said to have stolen the remains from cadavers. I will tell you, when Mrs. Dr. Marlowe was in medical school, it was really cool. They let the spouses come to a cadaver day where we got to go and see the cadavers that they had to examine and um, dissect. That was intense. That was intense. I would be very prepared to investigate and report on this case of Cedric Lodge, him selling the cadavers for a profit. Odd times we're living in, and uh, just don't let yourself get too bored. That's my point. Come up with a hobby. Get involved in your community. Get involved in the church group. Don't let yourself get too bored where you feel like you're going to get a side hustle selling human remains. Can we, can we agree on that? Break the guests up on the live show in SiriusXM Patriot with a commercial break. Typically, just seems like good flow. Uh, today, we had a odd timing arrangement. So we had Judge Janine Pirro and Senator Tom Cotton back-to-back with no break in between. So that's exactly how we presented to you on the podcast. Let's hear it. Senator, I know we got limited time today and we got a busy slate as usual. It's good to have you on. I appreciate you being here. Uh, the zombie media cartel bill is returning or is trying to return and uh, everything I'm hearing is that it's dead on the house side, but the, the people keep trying to push this thing through. Uh, what is the latest development? Who's behind this and why are people think it's so important to have this bill that's going to clearly sideline conservative news? Uh, Alex, it's good to be back on with you. Thanks for having me on to discuss uh, this bill that's very worrisome to me. It addresses what's a real problem, Alex. You know, you have relatively small newspapers or news outlets Um, that have their content uh, taken by big tech companies and repackaged. They lose revenue from that. That hurts our communities. You know, we want the the readers of the Russellville Courier or the Jonesboro Sun or the Baxter Bulletin in Arkansas to be able to follow their local news and their local communities. Um, Of course, in the media landscape today, though, it's not just about local newspapers or TV stations or radio stations. It's news outlets like Breitbart that uh, we want to make sure are not being taken advantage of either by these big tech companies. But I don't think this bill is the solution for it, however, because what it does is create a giant antitrust exemption to create a kind of media cartel. Um, so large liberal media companies could form, come together. They could discuss their business operations in a way that would be a criminal violation of the antitrust laws for any other industry. And then they can collude with big tech to exclude companies like Breitbart. And that really gets to the heart of the matter. Is they've already acknowledged that they wouldn't let 
your news outlet into their club. Yes, that's right. Uh, so they would be getting the benefit of their content. They would be forcing these big tech companies to pay for their content, but the tech companies could still take your content. So it would be even worse for any disfavored conservative outlet because right now you're at least on par with every other media company yeah. or small news out, outlet and the big tech companies are taking advantage for you but in this world it would be even worse because everyone else mostly liberal media outlets would be getting compensated and conservative outlets wouldn't be getting compensated uh, and that's why i think that kevin mccarthy was so forceful last week when he said the bill is dead on arrival in the house and Fortunately, with Jim Jordan in charge of the House Judiciary Committee, it's not going anywhere there. And you know, last year it almost passed uh, at the end of the year. Um, you know, it almost got smuggled into our annual defense bill, which we pass every right. year. And yeah. um, I almost always support, but I had to put my foot down and say that I, I would not just oppose, but I would filibuster the defense bill if they put in this extraneous and unwise legislation into it. Fortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah, I, I just I'm stunned that it's clearly well funded because there's people who I feel like I pretty much agree with on everything who are somehow for this bill. And we know, Senator, you've been in Washington long enough to know what I know about Washington, which is there's always one explanation for that. And that's a big bag of cash somewhere. Like, Who is supplying this bag of cash? Do we do we know who it is? Because uh, this is really playing with fire here to make the media landscape so much worse. Well, I mean, I think the biggest beneficiaries here would be the biggest media companies that have a chance uh, to participate in, in this cartel and therefore reap more revenues from the content that big tech company is currently using. And the, yeah. the, the bill's authors obviously say it's like, no, no, it's not. It's just the small newspapers. It, it's mm-hmm. the Russellville Courier and the Jonesboro Sun and the Baxter Bulletin I mentioned earlier. And yet I, I don't think anyone feels anything but sympathy for our small newspapers and news outlets across Arkansas and across the country. But then when you look at the way the bill's defined, it actually gets up to extremely large newspapers um, and other media outlets, um, you know, the kind of outlets that really don't even should, shouldn't need this kind of protection. But, you know, they figure if they can get an exemption from the antitrust violations and add even more firepower to their side negotiating with these big tech companies, so much the better for them. It's so interesting that I had to use Google, unfortunately, recently for a project that it was just it just would would have been too slow to avoid it. And it's the what they do is they basically have eliminated Breitbart's content. You have to type in the word Breitbart or else you can't get it. We're one of the most popular news outlets in the world. And then you can't get our content unless you use our name because they've censored it. And uh, this is totally uninteresting to anyone in Washington who crafts legislation, Senator. Like, and no one cares about that obvious discrimination that's taking place. That is means that people are going to get their news who have to who go through Google and everyone uses it. It seems like, uh, and that's not an issue. The issue is we need to somehow figure out a way so that the biggest media companies in the world and some conservatives support this can just get a little kickback from big tech. That's the priorities. And I just find that to be so backwards, it's almost unfathomable to me that that's where the priorities are for even some Republicans. Yeah, um, I, um, I agree. And uh, what happens with Google um, and Breitbart is very telling. In fact, Alex, were you just talking? I just went to your website and uh, I took your first headline about the Michigan City banning uh, pride flags. And, and I typed that exact headline into Google. And your website does not come up. Uh, I think that's yeah, pretty telling. Exactly. That your your lead story, with a very distinctive <laughs> headline, I would say, <laughs> right. um, 
doesn't come up. It doesn't even come up in Google. If you type the entire headline, and I, I'm afraid that this bill would encourage that. It would actually promote it. And it might not just it be would. Breitbart. It might be plenty of other conservative media outlets. Because once this cartel is formed, then they get to decide who's going to be in the club and who's not going to be in the club. And again, they've already indicated that, that Breitbart doesn't get to be in the club. You're not, yeah. as it, uh, they would say to you, you're, you're not our class, Alex. We don't want you that's around. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. Well, um, and, and, and what in the class has nothing to do with quality of journalism. We know this because the people, Washington Post, no, New York Times, got Pulitzer's for the Russia hoax. It's, no, it's entirely, it's entirely about the nature of the news on which you report. I mean, how many news outlets do you think would be admitted to their cartel um, if they covered, say, the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020, like Breitbart and New York Post and a very few other media outlets yes. did? How many, how many news outlets yeah. would be admitted if they covered the shocking allegations of whistleblowers uh, that both Joe Biden and Hunter Biden uh, accepted multi-million dollar bribes from foreign nationals? Right. I don't think many yes. of those outlets would be uh, accepted into their club exactly and that's why this this thing is is not good uh senator i know you've only got a few more minutes but i got a couple other big ones uh tony blinken is going to china right now and this is going to be it this is going to be the big one we've got even more evidence now he's finally going to hold china accountable for the pandemic that came from the wuhan lab right that's the agenda isn't it <laughs> hardly alex remember this is a rescheduled trip from um early february and that trip was canceled because China sent a spy balloon all across America. I want to remind you of the exact timeline. Um, our government was well aware that that spy balloon had, was on its way and had entered uh, American airspace in Alaska about a week before Tony Blinken was scheduled to go to China. And then when it re-entered American airspace over Montana just a few days before he was scheduled to go, the government said nothing. Uh, it was only because, you know, a couple uh, cattle ranchers and an amateur photographer in Montana looked up and said, hey, what's that big balloon up in the sky that the administration finally admitted, it, I think, two days before Blinken was scheduled. Uh, I assure you, the reason why our government was totally silent about that balloon is they were hoping that they could get past Tony Blinken's departure so he could go to China. They've been trying to do this for four months. You know, just a few weeks after the balloon episode, Tony Blinken went running after his counterpart at a big international conference in Munich. A couple of weeks ago, Lloyd Austin was humiliated by asking for a meeting with his counterpart, China's Minister of Defense, at a big conference in Singapore, and he was rebuffed. You, you've got all these Biden administration officials who are acting like love-struck teenagers chasing after Chinese communists. Uh, it's humiliating, but more than that, it's dangerous. It projects weakness and a desire to accommodate and conciliate communist China. If they don't want to talk to us, we should just tell them, fine, get back to us when you do want to talk. In the meantime, sure. we're going to be building uh, long-range missiles in overdrive and shipping them to places like Guam and Japan and the Philippines and South Korea to deter Chinese aggression against America and our friends. Um, well said, Senator. Uh, last one for today. Uh, let me ask you about just a your overall 360 take on the indictment of President Trump. Alex, it's a very disappointing uh, moment. Um, you know, I, I I would say that it's surprising, but I think if you look at what Merrick Garland has done over two and a half years, how can you be surprised 
at the uneven application of justice. You know, when he six, um, the FBI to raid, you know, a pro-life activist outside of Philadelphia, who's then acquitted by a jury of his peers in barely an hour. It probably only took that long because they wanted lunch. Um, or you see the harassment of parents at school board meetings in Northern Virginia. Um, look, I, I don't think um, that President Trump should be indicted on a stretch case or novel legal theories or an edge case. Um, but remember, the most important thing uh, about Donald Trump right now is not that he's the former president. It's that he's the opposition party's leading candidate for the presidency. Um, that was in no small part why Jim Comey refused to indict Hillary Clinton in 2016 on much worse behavior, behavior that was more injurious to the immediate national security interests of this country. And certainly having made that decision in 2016, whatever you think about it, whether you think it was a prudent step not to indict her, or whether you think that he rigged the game in Hillary's favor, that standard should certainly be applying here. The Department of Justice should not be stretching legal theories or pursuing edge cases against the opposition party's leading presidential candidate. Yeah, well stated. Uh, Senator Cotton, really appreciate it, and um, let's have a little longer chat next time. All right. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate you. All right, we're going straight away to Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's on the line with me. She's got a new book, Crimes Against America, The Left's Takedown of Our Republic, well-known from Fox, etc. fan favorite. Judge Jeanine, great to have you on the show. Well, I'm thrilled to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I think it's apropos because it just feels like there's so many reasons to uh, kind of think of what President Biden does from a legal perspective and think about there's clearly clearly needs needs an indictment of sorts uh where do you think he's most vulnerable and where do you think that the focus should be of uh republicans right now in terms of trying to have some sort of justice and accountability for him well i think that first of all thank you for having me on but i i think that the the issue for the republicans right now is to make sure that they continue with the hearings james comer um you know, unearthing some of the information that we've heard about having to do with, you know, the, the 1023, which Christopher Ray tried so hard to make sure that we didn't see, although it was not even a classified document. Now we understand that there are tapes. You know, this pay to play and the forming of United States policy based upon, you know, money that may have been paid is a real concern. And, you know, that really is the overarching message of my book right now, that the left is taking down the republic. And they're doing it from every area, whether it's Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice uh, and Senator Tom Cotton. I just heard what he was saying about the fact that, you know, the FBI is, you know, is now inquiring uh, and going after parents who show up at school board meetings very difficult um you know right now to have faith in lady justice in america and uh the republicans have to at least continue to investigate this this family it's an organized criminal enterprise you know where joe biden goes in wrapped around the american flag and all the power and prestige that that carries and then his son is in the back door you know the bag man collecting the cash um, and that's what Crimes Against America is all about. And, and, and it also starts with free speech. 
and the, the attack on religion in America. All that is going on is really a reflection of an ideology that was promoted first by Barack Obama. And Joe Biden is like, is, you know, he's finishing the circle. You know, our kids are not ours that belong to them. That's a socialist Marxist kind of right. uh, uh, theory. And, and Americans right now have lost faith. And, you know, we're just looking for someone in a leader who can support us and, and speak to the fundamental uh, truths of our Constitution and our country. Yeah, Crimes Against America is the book. Judge Jeanine Pirro is my guest. Also, you know her from The Five uh, on Fox as well. Uh, what do you think is the top crime, if you could if you could wave a magic wand and prosecute or indict the Bidens for one thing, what's, what's first on your list? Well, you know, I write the book as though it's an indictment because of my past. I've been a prosecutor, a judge, and a DA for over three decades, and I ran for office five times. Uh, I write the book as an indictment with various counts. But to me, the main problem, the main issue is the breach of sovereignty. We are mm. no longer a sovereign nation. We are literally a global landing spot with benefits. And anyone, and we don't even know who, who they are, and we give them education, uh, you know, and, and, and education, housing. And uh, in addition to that, what we're trying to do you know, is we're trying to pay our own taxes and survive with our family when we now have this incredible burden on our social safety net. And what all these millions of people are doing is they're doing nothing more than creating more congressional seats for Democrats. Right. And that's what's happening in the end. And that breach of sovereignty, I think, is the, is and, and the Biden administration aiding and abetting that breach of sovereignty and the danger to Americans uh, is a real problem. I think it's the greatest problem because although you have the Bidens and their financial uh, crime, you know, would that relate to them? But what they're doing to America right now is long lasting and it will sure. impact this country forever. Uh, let's take a couple of issues that I think are really important, and let's start with the border. Uh, w give me your take on the Biden's border policy and if you think that's criminal. Well, I think it's aiding and abetting, uh, you know, the uh, an invasion of this country. And uh, when we don't even know who they are and a federal judge has to come in and, and basically say, you can't just release them en masse into this country. You have to give them an alien registration number, you know, then you know that they don't even care about us. They don't even care who they are. And it even takes Robert Kennedy Jr. to go out there at the border with his own iPhone and say, you know, I saw someone from Uzbekistan, from Kazakhstan, from Nepal, from West Africa. You know, it, this is this is a global landing spot. Yeah. And, and that is that is a breach of our sovereignty. Uh, and it feels like they're intentionally dismantling law enforcement, not just at the border, oh, yeah. but elsewhere around oh, the yeah. country a as well. I mean, we were just reporting earlier today how in Seattle now that they are not going to prosecute people who do vandalism so long as it's under $750 worth of damage. I mean, our cities have been completely abandoned, and uh, I think that there's a lot of long list of reasons for why that's happening. Um, but uh, again, this is a 
huge outrage. It's a moral outrage. It's a criminal oh, thing. And it's, yet, it's a danger. It, the sure. first order of government is the protection of its people. And with this, you know, defund the police nonsense and calling police, you know, serial racist murderers, which is it's, it's not only dumb, it's not factual. Uh, but what they're doing is they're putting each and every one of us in danger. And whether it's the weaponization of the government and that the, the law enforcement agencies at the federal level or the defunding at the local level, uh, we are all suffering. Look, when I ran for D.A., one of the things that, that I was able to convince the, the public of was that they needed me as a DA. I was a hard-nosed DA. I was in your face, and I didn't tolerate crime. And, you know, your businesses will prosper, your home values will go up, and your children will be safe if crime is, is, is if someone is out there fighting crime. But they're not doing that. This is not law and order anymore. It's chaos and anarchy. And again, that's a kind of the Marxist, Saul Alinsky kind of mentality where they're basic. And I talk about all this in the book, you know, that it is a concerted effort. And what we're seeing in New York City with Danny Penny just being indicted now for yes. manslaughter. I mean, that's what has happened. When yeah, I haven't, I haven't got a chance to bring that up on the show today, and I meant to. A grand jury indicting ex-Marine Daniel Penny for the Jordan Neely death. Uh, give me your thoughts on that, Judge. Well, I mean, I'm outraged. Look, you're in a moving, locked, underground subway car. The guy comes on, and he's threatening the people on that car, and he's saying, I, I don't care if I die or go to jail for life. What does that tell you if you're in the military or a cop? It tells wow. you that, you know, the guy is suicidal or homicidal. And so he was threatening to those people. And, you know, those people were right to be afraid. And so a former Marine steps up, takes him down with a couple of other people on the on that subway car. Race has nothing to do with it. One of the people holding him down was African-American also. Sure. But what we know now is the people in that car were right to be afraid. Because Penny had been arrested 44 times. 44. Yep. And, and he was on New York City's list of the 50 homeless people were in desperate need of, of mental health services. He was a schizophrenic in the middle of a psychotic episode on that locked car. And the people on that car said that, that thank God for that former Marine, Danny Penny, they don't believe they would have made it out there. But no, we got a progressive George Soros funded, George Soros funded DA who wants to indict him and did indict him for manslaughter. But that same DA comes into office and he says in Manhattan, get this, if you come into a jewelry store and you rob it, you have a, a, an AR-15 or you have an Uzi or whatever weapon you want to have, we're not going to charge you with the weapon possession. We'll just charge you with the theft. I mean, this is, this is lunacy. It is a takedown of the very fundamentals of this country. People are afraid and they have a right to be afraid. By the way, I'm getting a lot of feedback on, on this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's who's in that song. You sound good to the audience, so I apologize to you. But okay. it's not. Um, yeah, no, it, yeah, it's, it sounds great to me. I have no clue. I will have the producers investigate. I only got a couple more questions, Judge. Uh, the book "Crimes Against America: sure. The Left's Takedown of Our Republic." Uh, when you put a book together like this, uh, you you tend. I like your approach to the way you give your commentary because you're you seem to be a true happy warrior. I mean, you're always fighting 
but you seem to generally have a good time. Uh, how do you go through and put a book like this together and not get depressed? Because it just seems like, I mean, we're losing our country when you look at some of the details you, you've, you have here. Well, you know, this is my eighth book, but my fourth political book. And I must tell you, and they were all New York Times bestsellers, but I must tell you that um, this book was one of the easiest to write. And it was because everything is in your face. This book, as you read it, is literally a chronology of what you see every day on television or what you read in your telephone feed or, or what you listen to on the radio. It is so outrageous. It is so in your face, the takedown of every one of our institutions, you know, whether it's health and human services, whether it's the border, whether it's education. I mean, what Joe Biden is saying when he says there are kids. No, they're not your kids. They're the parents' kids. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a mother. I mean, I had kids in school. And, you know, the COVID pandemic, there was one silver lining. It pulled back the curtain, and we could see yes. what was going on in the schools. Now we know why the people who are, you know, in these woke corporations, where they came from. They came from our educational system that we had no idea what they were teaching our kids. And, you know, so for me, this book, especially as it relates to the Biden crime family and what they have done and the pay to play. And, you know, this 1023, Christopher Ray, this guy is the head of the FBI and mm -hmm. this guy is slow walking at 1023. It's not even classified. All right. right. And, you know, I can tell you something. Hunter Biden with five years investigating this guy when uh, and I take no position on George Santos. I mean, they came up with a 13-count felony indictment in like a week and a half. Yes. But Hunter Biden, I could write an accusatory instrument right now for uh, how about lying on that getting a weapon? And if Joe Biden is so anti-weapon, you know, well, let, why don't you do something about your son getting a gun when he lied on a pistol permit application? The gun ends up in a garbage can and the Secret Service retrieves it. I mean, it is it was an easy book to, to write because I'm so passionate about this. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of footnotes. You want to fight with somebody, you got the evidence in there. And I am a happy warrior because at this point in my life, I mean, I love to fight. I've been a fighter my whole life for what I believe in. But what is happening right now is so outrageous and so beyond the pale in America that, you know, my father was, a, you know, fought in World War II, my grandfather. I mean, we got a lot of people who paved the way for us to enjoy this beautiful country and what it stands for. And these fools are taking it down, and we can't let it happen. Uh, Judge, last one for today. i got to get your take. I know this is probably not in the book, I'm guessing, because it's brand new. But I mean, you're, you, you have a crystal ball if it is. But the Trump indictment, I just want to get your yeah. thoughts. Well, I mean, you know, you want to talk about the weaponization of the criminal justice system? I mean, we're talking about the Presidential Records Act. That is a civil act that was created in 1978 for a bunch of presidents who couldn't figure out what they could and couldn't take. And, you know, th this whole thing, look, if it were one indictment, you'd say, well, gee, you know, maybe there's a problem. Donald Trump has been under attack since it came down that escalator. They impeached him twice. And think about why they impeached him for that phone call to Ukraine. Gee, based on what we know now, maybe he was right. Maybe if we've got an FBI informant who was, who was so credible to the FBI that they, that they paid him $200,000, who says that, uh, you know, a Burisma executive says that he gave Joe Biden $5 million, and now we just find out that, what, there's another $10 million in one of his corporate accounts from 2017. 
come on. I mean, Joe Biden is the one they should be looking at, but they're not. But they do this whole thing with Donald Trump. They impeach him. And they had us at each other's throats. Think about it. For this Russia collusion hoax. And we find out from the Durham report that, hey, Hillary Clinton made it all up. And she told Joe Biden and she told Barack Obama, sitting president, vice president, that she had to get the email scandal off her back. So what does she do? She makes up this Russia collusion hoax. Jim Comey, the head of the FBI, who I worked with, by the way, when I was the DA and he was the U.S. attorney, he then takes a, an affidavit that they know is unverified to spy on an American citizen so that they could go after Donald Trump. And the country fought with each other. We fought families. You know, the country was split because Hillary Clinton decided she wanted to go after Donald Trump and cover up her email scandals, where that was obstruction of justice. That was the destruction of evidence. But no, nobody's going after that. we got to stop Donald Trump. Why not let this guy just run? If he wins, great. If he doesn't win, that's great, too. Whatever. Let him run. But they can't. They are so afraid of him. And so, you know, now we've got, uh, again, we've got that George Soros prosecutor in Manhattan. Can't protect people in New York City. But, man, can he, he can make sure Donald Trump can be prosecuted for something Hillary Clinton was fined for. I mean, and by the way, Hillary Clinton used campaign funds. This is his own private money. It's nobody's business. Well done, Judge Janine. The book is Crimes Against America, The Left's Takedown of Our Republic. Uh, thanks for joining me on Breitbart News Daily, and um, best of luck with the book, and congrats on all the success of The Five. Thank you so much. You take care. I'm American-made. That is today's broadcast. As always, thanks to producers Zach Jones and Bill Barnett. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics for the opening. And all of you who show the love, go to Breitbart.com. Can't thank you enough. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.